No, no, I'm fine. Thank you. I'd like to stand. Music is a dangerous thing. <laughs> that song, it always makes me cry. <laughs> um, I chose We Fall Down um, because to turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 4. In Revelation chapter 4, starting with verse 5, this is the throne room of God in heaven. Uh, before, uh, before God reveals all the uh, things that are going to take place during the tribulation period um, in, in the book of Revelation, it says in verse 5 of chapter 4, And from the throne proceed flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like, a, like crystal. And in the center, around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. And the first creature was like a lion, and the second creature was like a calf. And the third creature was, had a, a face like that of a man. And the fourth creature was like a flying eagle, and the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, had six wings and full of eyes around and within, and day and night that they do, they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures... Give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever. And the 24 elders, the picture of the church in heaven, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne. I'm looking forward to that day. Worthy art thou, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou didst create all things, and because of thy will, they existed and were created. And today we're talking about... I'm sorry, you're not talking, I'm talking. Today I'm talking about... Uh, about rewards and uh, the, the question is what we'll do with the crowns and the rewards that we receive I think we'll cast them down before the throne of God and uh, it will be a joy to be able to do there are other things that God will reward us with but that will be a supremely wonderful moment won't it when we can take whatever it is that God has given us because of what we have done as he, and that he has done in and through us and, and he accomplishes uh, all that for us, and then, and then we give it back to him. Just seems like that's, that's what we're doing all the time. When we give in the offering, we give of that which God has given us, and we give it back to him. It's always giving back to him. That's the appropriate spirit. All right, there's, a, uh, there's an insert in the bulletin. As you can see, it's front and back. 
And I apologize, the uh, lettering is, the, the font is smaller than I like, but you can probably write small, right? But as you can see, we have mucho blanks, lots of blanks to fill. So we will get right to it. Let's have a word of prayer and, and we'll do it. Thank you, Father, for giving us this time together in your word. We ask our Father that you would be glorified as we reflect upon what it is that you want to do in and through us and for us and what you have done for us already in sending your son Jesus to die for us and give us new life. Thank you for bring, calling us to yourself. Thank you, our Father, for accomplishing your will in our lives. And we thank you, our Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I'm going to read you a letter. It went around by email. Um, so maybe you saw it. If you didn't see it, it will be new for you. Um, but I thought this was a very creatively written letter. Dear husband, to my darling husband, before you return from your overseas trip, I just want to let you know about the small accident I had with the pickup truck when I turned into the driveway. Fortunately, not too bad, and I didn't really, I didn't really, I really didn't get hurt, so please don't worry too much about me. I was coming home from Walmart, and when I turned into the driveway, I accidentally pushed down on the accelerator instead of the brake. The garage door is slightly bent, but the pickup fortunately came to a halt when it bumped into your car. I am really sorry, but I know with your kind-hearted personality you will forgive me. You know how much I love you and care for you, my sweetheart. I cannot wait to hold you in my arms again, your loving wife, XXX. I guess that means kisses, right? Okay, this is then a picture of what happened. <laughs> Would you say that this was a creatively written letter? Perhaps it would receive a reward, an award for uh, being creatively written. Um, this is the kind of thing that, uh, that, that happens, and it's not pretty, but it is, uh, it is true. I actually, I actually stopped driving after I did something similar, although the damage was not nearly so bad. Um, the big question for today now you can start filling in your notes. The big question today is, will, um, will the way we live here and now affect our eternity? Eternity. The context of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 to 17 is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. If you would turn there in your Bibles, I would appreciate it, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 14, but a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. The Apostle Paul addresses four different kinds of Christians in the Corinthian church. They are not just in the Corinthian church, they are also in every church throughout the world throughout the time that the church has been here for the last 2,000 years or so. And this is the natural man. 
the natural man is the man who is uh, uh, controlled by the flesh completely. He is the natural man, the soulish man, literally. Verse 15, but the one who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. Second person addressed in uh, chapter 2, verse 14 through 3, 4. The second person is the spiritual man. You see the spiritual man there in verse 15? Okay, chapter 3, verse 1. And I, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to babes in Christ. Think of a baby. A baby's got all that baby fat, and if they're healthy, you know, they, they're, they're pounding on the baby fat. The, uh, the, baby, the baby is um, uh, of flesh. Okay, it's, it's just fleshy. And then we have in verses uh, 3 and 4 of chapter, of chapter 3, For you are still fleshly, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? The problem was that people were picking their teachers, and they'd had Paul at one time, they had Apollos another time, and they were saying, I, I, I like Paul. I want to listen to Paul. He's logical. He's good. He's, he's straightforward. He calls a spade a spade. And some would say, no, I like Apollos. He always turns a phrase really well. He's got a good speaking voice. You can understand him. He's a great communicator. I like Apollos. And so they were dividing up, which is not appropriate. And they were fleshly. Now, the fleshy in verse 1 is sarkanoise, fleshy. The fleshly in verses 3 and 4 is sarkikoi, just a little bit different. And it's of somebody who's being controlled by the flesh. Well, we're not preaching out of those verses. But that's the, <laughs> that's the context here. You get the idea that there's this division amongst, amongst the people in the church at Corinth. Will the way we live here and now affect our eternity? That's the point that Paul is now going to address for these people. Will there be rewards for working with God in the field of the church? Verses 5 to 9. Chapter 3, verse 5. What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. The Lord uses his servants to lead some to faith in Christ, to plant and to tend the church. He used Paul, he used Apollos. But the Lord gives the opportunity. The Lord is the one who gives the opportunity. Verse 6. I planted... Apollos watered, but who was causing the growth? God was causing the growth. Verse, verse 7. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God causes the growth. Who gave the opportunity in verse 5? God gave the opportunity. Who is the one who causes the growth in verses 6 and 7? God is the one who does it. 
God is the one who gives all of it. When we get rewards for any of it, we have to remember it's God who did it. God who did it. That's grace. That's grace that he should reward us for what he does in and through us. It's a team effort, but God makes it happen. It's a team effort, but God makes it happen. Verse 8. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. They were all divided up about Paul and Apollos and whoever else. But he says they're all one. We're all the same team. We're all one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Reward is linked to labor. Reward is given to those who are actually used by the Lord and who allow him to use them. Will the way we live here and now affect our eternity? There is reward, and it is linked to labor. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. We are, we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. And it, it says here plainly, we are God's fellow workers. We are God's fellow workers. If God's not working, does stuff get done? Not anything that's worthy of reward. We can work hard. We can make things happen. We can make a lot of things happen. But if God's not in it, is it worth anything? No, it's not. Okay. The church is God's field. That's what he's described in verses 5 to 9. I planted, Apollos watered, God causes the growth. That's the field idea. But then we have here at the end of verse 9 that you are God's building. And so he changes his picture from the field to the building. Um, we come to the builders in verse 10. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it. God gave grace to Paul to, to lay the foundation of the church in Corinth. Who gave Paul the ability to lay down the foundation? God did. You see why it's grace and rewards? God gives the opportunity. God causes the growth. God gives the grace to lay the foundation. God gives us grace to serve him. He gives that not only to Paul, he gives that to you, he gives that to me, he gives it to all of us. What do we use to minister in the church or in the community? We use spiritual gifts. Who gave us those? God did. It's grace. It's all grace that he gives us. It's unmerited favor. How much of rewards is our labor? Well, we're involved. We do the work. We make a decision to obey, to serve, and things happen, right? But do we really make it happen? John 15, 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. 
For apart from me, you can do nothing. That doesn't mean we can't do things, but we can't do anything of value. Can't do anything of value. 1 Corinthians 15.10 But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. I labored, but not me. It was God's grace in me that did it. That's grace in rewards, grace and service. God makes it happen. God makes it happen. John 15, 4 to 5, God makes it happen. It's his grace that makes it happen. 1 Corinthians 3.10 says, According to the grace of God, which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it. Each man must be careful how he builds upon the foundation. Apollos was the next to build. The primary application would be, in this passage, the primary application would be to those who are vocational ministers, to Pastor Matt, to Shane, to Lou, to Tom, to those who are involved vocationally, it's their living. Um, But it also applies to everyone who serves in ministry in the church. It applies to nursery workers. It applies to Sunday school, children's church, Awana youth and adult teachers and workers. It applies to elders, to deacons, to task force, committee members, to ushers, kitchen experts, uh, uh, rose artists, I was trying to be a little bit clear about this, cleanup crew, and singers and musicians, etc., etc., etc. A little bit of the King of Siam there, okay. Uh, this also applies to those serving the Lord at home, at work, or at the school, and in the community. Those who are praying, those who are welcoming and being hospitable, those who are sharing their faith, demonstrating Christ's likeness, modeling godly behavior, loving and sacrificing for spouses, giving and serving in the community as well as the church. Um, this is what we do as we grow as believers we, who build the church. Faithful Bible reading and uh, Bible reading study and memorization. We need to go to the next slide there, Tom. In the next slide. Thank you. Um, And we're involved in prayer. We're involved in fellowship. We're involved in worship. And we're involved in sharing the gospel. The things that you read about in Acts chapter 2, these are things which build the church and are used by God to build the church. So it says in verse 10, be careful how you build. We need to be careful how we build. Be careful how you build. Okay, chapter 3, verse 11. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is our foundation. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ as your Savior, um, then Jesus has been laid down as a foundation in you. This is why we must share about Christ with our neighbors and friends and fellow workers and schoolmates. Um, Jesus is the issue. 
We need to build relationships, ask lots of questions, get to know the folks with whom we share. But they're no closer to life, to new life, until they hear about and are lovingly confronted with the need to decide about who Jesus is and what he did for them. They must transfer their trust to Jesus as their Savior, or they remain lost, lost, lost. We must talk about Jesus, or we're not witnessing. Okay, verses 12 and 13. Now, if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. The, the quality of these various different building materials has been uh, considered by interpreters and preachers over the years. Um, here are four different ways in which it can be taken. Um, can be talked about as the quality. The verse even says that the, the quality of our works will be tested. Gold, silver, precious stones have enduring quality. Uh, wood, hay, and straw are works which are temporary and valueless. Uh, I take it that way. The quality of our works will be tested. The quality of our works will be tested. But some would say that this is in the church and it's talking about vocational ministers. Perhaps it's talking about those who teach certain kinds of doctrine, those who teach good doctrine, that's gold, silver, precious stone. Excuse me, gold, precious stones. Gold, silver, and precious stones. Uh, wood, hay, and straw would be false doctrine. Interesting. Um, motivation of service. Gold, silver, and precious stones would be worthy motives of the worker. Uh, wood, hay, and straw would be unworthy motives. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore, do not go on, go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts, and then each man's praise will come to him from God. The motives of man's hearts, motives count. Motives do count. I don't think that one is far off from what the building materials mean. A fourth idea is that gold, silver, and precious stones are believers, the building blocks of the church, believers added to the church. Wood, a straw are unregenerate folks, non-born-again folks who are in the church. I think that's going a little far. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. The day of judgment will come, and what we have done in the body of Christ, what we have done, whether we have done what God wanted us to do or whether we did what we want to do, whether we did it in God's power, whether we did it in our own power, we will be recompensed. The word reward in this, in this passage that we're looking at is misthos. It's the very same word that is used for wages. 
If you work eight hours a day and you're paid so much an hour, or you're paid so much a day, or you're paid so much a month, that's pay. That's misthos. That's reward for the work that you have done. It's recompense, and there is recompense for the things that we do as well. And if we don't keep that in mind, if we're not aware of that, then we're dreaming because it's going to be reality, and it is going to affect our eternity. There's a whole other half to this message that I, did, I won't get to today. There's all that Jesus has to say, and he has to say a lot about rewards in the Gospels. And perhaps in the future, maybe in 2007, probably in October, about the time of the men's retreat, maybe I will preach <laughs> a sermon on what Jesus has to say about rewards. But not today. Not today. Okay. Um, rewards and loss and salvation, verse 14. If any man's work which he has is built, has built upon it remains, he shall receive a reward. Reward is linked to the testing of our work. Verse 15. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as through fire. Works uh, and service that are unworthy, they will burn up when tested by God's fire. Uh, the believer would thus suffer loss of reward. There's even indication in the scriptures that, uh, that you could lose reward that was previously earned. Revelation 3.11, I am coming quickly, hold fast to what you have in order that no one take your crown. 2 John 8, watch yourselves that you might not lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. The believer who loses reward will him or herself be saved, though singed, or as McGee says, as he would suggest, that uh, they're smoked by fire, but they'll still be saved. So rewards can be lost, but eternal life in heaven will not. Okay, verse 16. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? The universal, we have here the local church. The word you is plural. The church at Corinth. But the universal church has a temple, uh, is a temple also. Ephesians 2.20. Having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22 in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. But then our own bodies are considered to be a temple of God as well. So the universal church is a temple, and our own bodies are as well. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, and, Or do you not know that your body is a, is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? So we are a temple. If any man, it says in verse 17, if any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. When false teachers come and preach false doctrine in the church, then they are teaching that which is destructive for the church, and God will destroy them. Hebrews 10.31. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Amen? Amen. It is. So be careful what you say. 
and what you teach. God's temple, the, holy, the church, is holy, set apart, it's special. We are God's valued and holy temple. We are God's valued and holy temple. Now there are five crowns in the scriptures that are described and they are rewards and they are given for specific things. It's useful to know what it is that God will reward us for. 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. He's been faithful, Paul has. In the future, there is later for me the crown of righteousness. It seems to be linked to faithfulness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So the crown of righteousness for, is for faithfulness in service and for those who love got Christ's appearing. Who love his appearing because he came to save us, who love and look forward to his, his return. Probably it's the latter. Okay, the crown of life. James 1.12, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Revelation 2.10, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and, that you, will, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful to death. You see the contrast? Be faithful to death, and I will give you the crown of life. The crown of life is for faithfulness under trial, even to death. We gotta go, gotta go. Crown of glory, 1 Peter 5, 1. Therefore I urge, exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. The crown of glory is for shepherding well for church leaders, but I want to tell you it's not just elders who shepherd. We have shepherds at work, we have shepherds in the home, we have shepherds all over the place. Managers who shepherd well. The crown of exaltation, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. For who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? It's, it's individuals. Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? The crown of exaltation is for leading folks to Christ. They are the crown. If you lead people to Christ, they are the crown. The crown of exaltation. Crown of exaltation, think of celebration in the end zone. Think of a Muhammad Ali boasting about about how he was victorious. That's the crown of exaltation. The imperishable crown, number five. 1 Corinthians 9, 24, do you not know that those who run a race, run in a race, all run, but only one receives the prize? 
run in such a way that you may win. And everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it for, to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. For, uh, the New American Standard usually is very consistent in the way it translates certain words from the Greek. Here it is trying to talk about the perishable versus imperishable that, that, uh, that Paul gives. And so they call it a wreath, but actually the word is Stephanos, it's crown. It's the victor's crown. Imperishable crown of victory is for leading a victorious Christian life. Okay, we're almost there. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Uh, the next few don't even have places to fill in things I was worried about being late, so here we go. The enduring affliction and suffering with Christ lead to glory in heaven. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Romans 8.16 The Spirit Himself bears witness with the Spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him in order that we also may be glorified with Him. You go through hardship, endure affliction, there will be, uh, and suffering with Christ, there will be glory in heaven. Okay, doing good to all men, especially believers, results in reaping a harvest in heaven. Galatians 6.9 and let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, and especially to those who are the household of faith. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. There will be reward. Everyday work done with done work done well will receive a reward. Will receives. Um, okay. Um, Ephesians six five. Slaves be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render services to the Lord and not to men. You know these verses? Knowing that whatever good thing one does, each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. There will be reward for doing good service. Colossians 3.22, Slaves in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external services, those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. There will be reward. Okay, motives do matter. 1 Corinthians 4, 5, and 6. Excuse me, 4, 5. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will, bring bo who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts, and then each man's praise will come to him from God. What you do and why you do it, they both matter. Matthew 6.1 Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. 
Otherwise, you, will, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. You do it for men, that is your reward. There is nothing from God. You do it for God, and you will be, you will be glorified in heaven. We do what we do. We do that which pleases the Lord because we love him. That's our motive. Because we love him. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. If you love me, shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. God doesn't have to give us rewards, but he does. And he rewards that which he has done in and through us. It is his grace to reward us when we do what pleases him. The big question is, will the way we live here and now affect our eternity? What do you think? Yes. 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 Revelation twenty-two twelve. Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. You will reward us in response to our love and obedience, in response to our faith in Christ. He will give us eternal life. What have you done with Jesus? God's evaluation of our lives is that we have been stained with sin. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all earned eternal separation from God with our sin. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But that's not the end of the story. God wants us to be with him, so, the, so then it says, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus was sent to die in your place and mine. Jesus paid the penalty for my sin, for yours. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Have you received God's provision of forgiveness and eternal life? In a group this large, it's inevitable there is someone who has not done that. Truly, truly, I say to you, it says in John 6, 47, truly, truly, don't miss this, it's really true. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes, is what the New American Standard says, King James has the fuller version that I think is right, he who believes in me has eternal life. That's what Jesus said. You need to transfer your trust from your own best efforts to Jesus and what he did on the cross. You can do that even now as we pray. Let's close. Heavenly Father, there is someone here perhaps who needs to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. You know all of our hearts. You know where we are with Jesus. If there is someone who needs to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior this morning, I ask that you would move them and that you would cause them to respond from their heart <coughs> silently with this same prayer that I will lead them in. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I deserve to be separated from you forever. But you love me. You sent Jesus to pay for my sins. 
Jesus, right now I transfer my trust to you. I am trusting you to save me. Thank you. Father, lead us to love you more. Lead us to please you in all that we do. We look forward to that which you decide to give us. Not because we work for those rewards, but because you are pleased to give them. We thank you, our Father, and ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Did we get all the blanks? Yes, okay. <laughs>